Today, we're filming our first episode of Dropping Gems. My name is David Walkler. I'm a fourth generation jeweler. My family's been in the business for 100 years. Um, working in diamonds, jewelry, gold, Patek, Rolex, Cartier, you know, I, I'm touching the most valuable materials. I'm dealing with the highest end clients. Um, I do work with people from every walk of life and every budget. And after the past, you know, 20 years of growing up in the business, uh, personally, I felt that the gems and the most valuable, you know, things that I've ever encountered were the people I dealt with. And uh, the gems that they dropped, the lessons that they learned in their journey in life from the ups and downs, the tumultuous uh, journey that is life, uh, were so valuable to me to learn. So as I'm doing business with these people, uh, just having the knowledge and experience that they would share with me became extremely valuable. And I started to not see the value in the gold and the diamonds, but really just uh, get excited and crave the uh, sharing of the knowledge and dropping of the gems from my clients to me. And today, I'm so honored to be sitting with my very dear friend and client, Doug Schwartz. Doug has been somebody who I have watched uh, through his journey for the past decade or so. And the gems that he's uh, discovered himself and shared with me uh, are ones that I want to share with you. And that is the reason why Doug Schwartz is the first guest on Dropping Gems. So it's an honor to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's an Perfectly honor. Perfectly said, by the way. Thank All you. Of it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, it's my first time, so I hope it's uh, hope it'll cut it. So, Doug, I want to start with how did we meet? Do you remember? So the funny thing is, I feel like we've grown up together. Right. Right. <laughs> little same, age difference, though. Yeah. A little, Not a lot, though. But a little bit. Yeah. So I don't even know when. That's the funny thing. So my earliest memory of Doug is I walked into... I want to say I walked into Complex, which was your first business that I knew about. Yeah. Um, I saw that you went to Michigan State. After Michigan State, I don't know a whole lot about what you were up to. Um, by the way, between then college and when I walked into your store Complex, which we'll get into, mm -hmm. what were you up to? Real estate. Okay. Mortgages. Okay. I did mortgages for almost right out of college until... I mean, it was 15 years. Okay. So you that. grinded it out for 15 years traditionally. Yeah. Working for other people, right? Yeah. And what got a crazy idea into your head that you wanted to be your own boss and deal with all the stress of that? I mean, I loved uh, traveling and I loved like product. Okay. Right. Product has always been my thing. Design has always been my thing. Even though I was in the real estate business and doing mortgages, my really, my like and love was for travel and design. Mm. And so I had this idea of opening this retail concept and kind of, you know, bringing the things I saw in Miami, New York, Chicago, LA to Detroit and offering those things to people. And that's how this retail concept happened. And the funny thing was the retail concept complex, which was in downtown Birmingham, was so unique that nobody had ever been in anything like it. It was a massive space, right? How many square feet? So it was 7,000 feet. <laughs> and I mean, the idea was like a Fred Siegel LA. Right. So in collaboration, bringing in people who uh, would basically own their own store within mm -hmm. my store okay, and curate the, that product. So a women's concept, a men's concept, shoe concept, accessories, and so on. Wasn't men's downstairs? Women's was Women's downstairs. Women's was downstairs. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the gotcha. Boys had their concept upstairs. So walking into complex, you know, you're talking about 7,000 square feet. It was kind of like going through an entire, you know, almost like a mini mall. You yeah. know, there was so much there. Um, Cody Franklin, our good friend, yeah. worked there, which uh, I first connected with her there. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, you carried things like Margella shoes. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. picked up a pair for from you. Yeah, still have them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my one buddy, when he goes to the party, he's like, "I need a, I need some sick shoes to wear." I'm like, "Take the Margellas, bro." He's yeah. like, "Are you sure?" I'm like, "They're like nine years old, man. They just yeah. look clean." Um, so people are still enjoying those shoes that I bought from you. Now, having a seven thousand square foot retail store in Birmingham, coming out of mortgages, you didn't have a lot of experience. Um, those of us who know the story we know it It didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, right? Because what happens when something doesn't work out? You re-up. That's right. We find another way. You mm -hmm. learn. Um, 
Can you tell me how it didn't work out? What happened that ended up leading to the end of Complex? Yeah. So, I mean, the concept in theory was mm-hmm. incredible, right? It was. Collaborative. Everyone would basically own their own business, rent from me. And collectively, it should have worked perfectly. That's right. You know, if everyone did their own, their thing right. and chipped in. Relying on others. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would have been like the perfect scenario. You couldn't just have an individual store lease something else in Birmingham at that time mm. with how expensive rents were right. and like make it. So theoretically, you're getting the cheapest rent in the best space in Birmingham. For sure. With the best stuff. Right next to Caruso, which has been such a longstanding right. store across from Roots, across from Brooklyn Pizza, just right. to give you guys a reference. Like basically where Revive is, like right down the street. I mean, on paper, it should have been like the perfect scenario. For the customers, it was. Right. And you had a product there, which kind of brings in, before we get to the demise, okay? Mm-hmm. There was a product there that I bought, okay? That I'm surprised that Complex didn't work just from this product alone. Yeah. It was a candle made out of a cut champagne bottle yeah. that you found opportunity in. Mm-hmm. Your friends owned a lot of bars. Yeah. And you were selling Dom P candles for $100, which is really a empty. Yeah. I bought one. I mean, so that happened toward the end okay. of Complex 2014. Right. We did an event, had all these empty liquor bottles, taking them out to the garbage, like tripped over the bag, and this Grey Goose bottle was broken in half. And I looked at it and I said, wow, this would be such a great vessel for a candle. <laughs> you son of a gun. You know what I mean? And so I didn't know how to make candles. I didn't know how to cut glass. And I didn't know where to get all these bottles from. But all my boys owned bars and restaurants around the city. I was popping those bottles, by the way. Right. So I said, hey, I'm going to come to your spot after a Saturday night. And I'm going to recycle all the Dom P, Ace, Moet, Hennessy, so on and so on. Then I'm going to find a glass cutter. I'm going to have them cut these all into cups. And then I'm going to figure out how to make candles. Hmm. So I started doing that. That's how candles started. That's how candles started. And that was at the end. That was at the end. So what happened as you're coming up with basically the next business, right? Yeah. Because we'll get into that. What happened? Why did it end? Basically, the rents were so high. Mm -hmm. What was it? 12K. 12K a month? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And again, collectively, everyone really wasn't doing their part. Mm -hmm. And so I was getting crushed. I mean, from the outside looking in, no one would know that. Right. But I was getting hit over the head month after month. (laughs) God. You know, I mean, my lease was like, my lease was like I own the building. So I had to pay for all the insurance, Mm -hmm. the taxes, the triple net all in, which I was so green at the time. I didn't know what that was. Right. So I was getting, I was upside down month after month for five years. How did you sustain that? You had created a nest egg for yourself in 15 years. I mean, I was, I was grinding coming out of pocket every single month. Right. I mean, from, like I said, from the outside, it looked like this was like the best concept ever. Did you have a trust fund? You know, no, I wish. (laughs) And I was getting rocked. Okay. And the candles happened as a product that I was going to sell in the store. Right. And it turned into this wild thing. So before we get into the wild thing that it became, mm-hmm. what was it like losing your space? Did you default? Did you submit? How, how does that so go? I made, it, I made it all the way through. Okay. But I was upside down. Bad. So, yeah. Did you I have mean, to was, borrow or? I mean, I did. I scraped. Okay. <laughs> I scraped to make it. I how mean, was I'll, your health? I mean... It was challenging. Okay. Mentally challenging because I thought I had this incredible concept. Right. And, you know, who could I tell? I remember, if you don't mind me bringing up, there was some people around town. I, I couldn't even tell you who. Mm-hmm. That the comments were, what, what, of course, this, this huge space that didn't work out. What is this guy thinking, right? And some of the opinions were like, you know, it was a cool idea, but how could that work? It's so expensive around here, right? And if it would have worked, they would have, of course, said, this is so cool, whatever. Right. They go with what's happening. So when things were going down, they were saying, of course it didn't work out. This guy, who does this guy think he is? Mm-hmm. 
but they were in for quite a ride to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, at this time, when you started Complex, you were a single Doug. Yeah. Okay. Solo Senor Doug. Mm-hmm. You met the love of your life, the mother of your two amazing kids, mm-hmm. Hayes and Sway. Yeah. Um, where? So Hill came in to help me actually with advertising, like toward the end of Complex and marketing. How did you find each other? Random, a referral. Okay. And she came in and just, you know, started working with me, working to do these things that I needed at the time because she was extremely talented in design Mm -hmm. and marketing. Like you. Yeah. And out of nowhere, you know, it happened. You started dating. We started, yeah. So At the end of Complex. So she worked with me for me and then quit and started working at Our Magazine. Mm Mm-hmm. And we stayed in touch and just started hanging out and one thing led to another. And Do you remember when you were experiencing this, we're going to call it defeat of your, of your baby. It was a baby of yours. It was a concept called complex that you created. Your Mm -hmm. name in my phone is Doug complex. Yeah. When this was going down and you had to put your head, you had your head held high, but you had to put your head down and say, I tried my very best. Mm -hmm. I try to provide a space for all these people. I thought I could help all these other micro retailers become bigger. Yeah. You were trying to help others and help yourself and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. It's a tough blow. Yeah. What did your, at the time, girlfriend think about it? What was her reaction? I mean, no one really knew. Okay. Including Hill. I see. That it was, that it was, that it was just, yeah. I mean, no one knew the nightmare really. I see. I, I, it was, it was after that I probably heard these things. Yeah. I internalized it all. So that's hard. Yeah, it was tough. Why did you do that? You know, I felt like it was a failure and no one knew it. And I was like pissed. Yeah, because in Birmingham, what happens when you fail? People talk and yeah. you feel weird when you walk into this bar and they're like, this guy fucking tried to do this, didn't work. What a loser. I mean, look, I don't, I don't, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Assholes. I can care less about anyone's opinion. Right. But still. But, but my own. Right. And my own was, how did I let this right. get fucked up? Right. Well, that's the tough part. Yeah. That was very challenging. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I always wanted to create product. I was bringing in products, buying, you know, doing different things to make this thing work. Right. And the candles, I had no idea. Right. So we're going to talk about just real quick. Mm -hmm. When you as the audience are experiencing ultimate defeat, you come up with an idea, you put in the work, you put in the money, you put in the time, you have other people that are kind of relying on you. And it doesn't work. Now we can see that the candles that came out of that experience was well worth all of that. That's right. It was almost like you made the ultimate profit. You were the ultimate success. Complex was the ultimate success. It would have never happened without. It's really awesome to look back and see that. And part of why I wanted to make this show and why I wanted you to be the first episode guest is because your story truly embodifies the Phoenix concept, you know, you, you burn up into flames and you rise again, much stronger, mm-hmm. much more, you know, beautiful. And, um, this next part of the chapter is, is another part of that. I enjoyed coming to the events. So Detroit wick was the Phoenix that rised out of the ashes of complex. Mm-hmm. Fair to say? Yes. Okay. So that came next because we got a lot of businesses we're going to go through today because yeah. you have a lot of businesses to this day. So Detroit Wick, um, when did that start to get incorporated? So, like I said, toward the end of Complex, created this product, had no idea what was going on, and I was just making and selling these liquor bottle candles. Mm -hmm. And at the time, there was a couple people only on Instagram doing this Mm -hmm. that I saw. There were a few. I saw that at the time. But it got insane. It was. You were like, right. You guys were on like a few people on this big wave. There was, there was myself. There was another girl in Miami who was getting all the, you know, obviously the high end bottles from all the Miami clubs. Right. Yeah. And this, it started catching traction. People were bringing me their wedding bottles. (laughs) People were, I mean, players were getting at me. I mean, it was like just, it picked up so quick. 
because everyone was obsessed with this concept right. of I want an Ace of Spades, I want a Dom Glow, right. I want a Hennessy, whatever whatever drink you loved, you would want that bottle in the form of a candle. Absolutely. And so it got so crazy quick. I was buying empties from Bottle Girls at every club you can imagine, Miami, LA, New York, for, I was buying Ace of Spades bottles for $100 an empty. That's insane. Getting boxes and boxes of these empty bottles shipped to me. What could you sell it for? I mean, I was selling Ace candles for like five to $800 <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Dom Glow was like, 250, 300, 400. Where were you in between, like the day you left Complex? Where did you go? I want I want the audience to know what literally happened after. Where'd you go? Well, so this was happening at the tail end of Complex. I okay. knew my lease was coming up in 2015. Okay, I was we're following lo- along. Yep, I was actively looking for spaces in Detroit because this concept was taken off. One of the crazy things that happened is... I was doing so much volume of Moet, Hennessy, Dom, that one day I get a cease and desist in the mail. From LVMH or? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. 100 page. <laughs> Holy shit. 100 page with every picture on from Insta, from social of anything with their mark on it. And I freaked out. I'm like, this is it. I'm dead again. You know, Complex was coming to the end. I got this Detroit Wick business. I'm crushing with these liquor bottle candles. And I get this crazy attorney letter saying, you have to stop right now and pay us something insane. And by the way, 50 Cent, I had taken one of your bottles of candles and put a Mm -hmm. bunch of black diamonds and white diamonds and all this jewelry in a light box, took a picture, posted on Instagram. Um, I don't know what, what, oh, that might've been a, um, I think it was a candle. Was it a candle from a diamond? uh, Was that your candle or was that just a diamond bottle? It was, it was, that was a champagne. Yeah. That you, that you did, right? Yeah. And 50 Cent posted it. He didn't tag me, but he posted it. Yeah. So... I mean, Shout I was, to the 50. I had um, Bel Air. Yeah. I did some for Rick Ross. Yep. So many players. <laughs> but, yeah, right? Right? So I was getting like, it Sorry. was, it was, cough there. it was so crazy. But then I got this letter. Mm. The thing that made me pivot right then. Okay. Is even though people were coming to me for these bottles, they wanted something engraved on there. They wanted their brand on there. Mm, encapsulate is coming, right? Well, what was happening is the candles were taking off, but people wanted a different vessel with their logo on it. Mm. They didn't care about the Dom candle. They didn't care about the Ace candle. So we're not encapsulating yet. Not encapsulating yet. But at that time, that's what made me pivot into branding, into scent branding. That was the thing. Does your brand smell? That's right. It should. So I stopped immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. And pivoted to the scent branding concept. And that's where it took off. Okay. And so that's what led me downtown. The building you were at downtown that mm-hmm. you had such amazing events at that everybody loved. Yeah. Um, how did you find that building? Random. Okay. Just through agents. And uh, when you were down there and you were doing these events and you were doing these, you know, uh, branded candles for companies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to this day, you're doing branded candles for downstairs. I saw you had Shinola, Gatorade, BMW, um, multiple hotels that mm-hmm. are major hotels. I saw the butter, cannabis, a few, yeah. just endless amounts of brands that mm-hmm. those are, those are some major contracts, right? Yeah. Um, and you're a pretty small business. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and that's 2024. And this was 2015, 2016. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the candles were this very- This is my 10th year, by the way. 10th year. Yeah. 10 years of, of Detroit Wick. Yeah. Um, which that's your Instagram handle, right? Yeah. Yeah. So even though you have all these other things, you've never changed that brand. You're yeah. just keeping that because it's that's your baby. That yeah. actually saved you. It did. And it, it sustains you. The funny part is, it doesn't even touch what comes next, but we're not there yet. Okay. Um, I'm excited about your journey. I'm feeling like I'm on the journey right now. I hope, I hope anyone listening is too. Um, encapsulate. 
Mm-hmm. Another stupid, simple, genius idea by mm-hmm. Doug Schwartz. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people are watching you do these things and go, God, these things are kind of classic, timeless, simple, mm-hmm. but they work. So that, the encapsulate happened because people would bring their, me their wedding bottle, uh-huh. champagne. So from the candles also. From, from the candles and say, okay, I'm cutting this, this bottle. What, do you, what can I do with the rest of it? What can I do with the cork? <laughs> You're so you're starting to piss me off how so, smart you are. So so look, I said, okay, I'm gonna take this memory, mm-hmm. this moment in time, and I'm gonna fossilize it basically. Right. And it's gonna be sculpture mm-hmm. that you can put as art in your home. So you have the candle, you have this cork encapsulated, and that started getting crazy because then people say say to me, Well, I have this love letter, I have this thing I this rock I found on a trip, whatever it is, everyone has a keepsake. So then people would just start coming to me with these things to just put into Lucite. Do you still do this? I do. Okay. So I do. if you at home listening to this have something that you want to encapsulate in acrylic, yeah. Doug at Detroit Wick is here to help. Yeah. It's insane. So I do like one of my most, what are the best things? Orange Swift wines. Mm-hmm. Every year they send me their bottles. I shatter them, encapsulate them, and then they go into their wine room in Napa and they sell them to their VIPs. We're going to bring you some gemstones and do what we meant to do. Yeah. Um, So Detroit Wick was birthed out of a back alley broken bottle. Yeah. I know the alley. Yeah. Lennon's backyard, basically. That's right. Schiff's backyard, Mm -hmm. Dico Dow's backyard. Um. It, it it really birthed a few things because you have the brand scent that isn't just candles. You you create scents that you do other things with, right? Mm-hmm. So the the scents grew out of candles, and I think you have some diffusers that you create each brand's. You know, you could have your store smell a certain way, or your yeah. your stores. You know, your chain of stores, so that you go into this particular brand anywhere across the country is the same scent. That's right. So that's pretty interesting. Um, and it's good for brand retention and, and, and all that. Um, the candles you had to encapsulate. I think we're getting to the point where it's 2018 mm-hmm. and you had an interesting idea. And I'm going to pause and say, Doug is not affiliated with the Illuminati, the government, or any of the powers that be. So any of your conspiracy theories about what we're about to talk to about next... He didn't know that that the pandemic was coming. That's so, right. Uh, we call this divine timing. You came up with an idea for a wipe. Yeah. Why? Where did that come from? <clears throat> so Hill and I were flying to Miami, mm-hmm. 2018. Okay. And at the time, this is pre-COVID, obviously. I was germ conscious and am germ conscious by nature. Okay. Right. So, all the products you know on the market—the gel sanitizer, the pack of wipes, the single wipes—at the time, everything was garbage to me. Right. So we're getting on the plane. I got all this sanitizer that's trash, and smells like shit. Right. Right. You didn't like how it felt, smelled, or how it was yeah, administered. Yeah. Just you know, I'm paying attention yeah. to packaging, right. design how it looks, how it smells, whatever. Okay. So we're flying to Miami and I'm like, hell, this is such garbage. Why isn't there a single wipe that actually is appealing? Right. Like that looks cool mm-hmm. and smells great. Yep. I Feels said, good on. Right. Mm-hmm. And smell, scent is my thing. So okay. I said, let's make a wipe. Let's figure out a good name, something catchy. Let's create the packaging and let's use the fragrance knowledge that we've learned over all this time Mm. and make something that smells incredible. So people are hype, right? So on a napkin, I sketch this thing. We get to Miami and Hell's like, are you going to do this? This is like, you know, why are you going to make a wipe? I'm like, let's just think about it. Let's do it. So fast forward, I come home. How am I going to make these wipes? Just like when I broke the glass how am I going to find a glass cutter? How am I going to make candles? I have no idea. How am I going to find a white manufacturer? No clue. Right? So I start Googling, grinding, 
I sketched this whole thing up. I got the name Trip Wipes, which came out of nowhere, which I trademarked, which I don't know how anyone didn't do that prior. Mm. Orange was like the feel good fragrance, the visual, like Mm -hmm. orange makes you feel good. Yep. We put this whole thing together. I find a white manufacturer. So this is an interesting part of the story. A friend of mine who managed Big Sean created dude wipes. Okay. Okay. And somehow he was one of my clients. And I said, hey, I know you did dude wipes. You know, can you give me a referral? He gave me a guy in Israel and some guys in New York. Obviously, the path of least resistance was calling New York. Mm -hmm. So I got in touch with these guys and I said, hey, I got this idea. I want to make these single wipes. Can you do it for me? And their minimums at the time to produce wipes were a minimum of a million wipes. Okay. How do you handle that? I mean, are you going to do that risk? No. So I said, obviously, I can't do that. I kept pressing them call after call, week after week. Just do this for me. I was getting no, no, no. I finally convinced these guys, two brothers, mm-hmm. own a family company of manufacturing, to partner with me and run 100,000 wipes. Now, 100,000 wipes at the time to commit to was like $10 million to me, in theory. Right. Whatever that number was. Right. And so Hill at the time was like, why are you going to do this? This is like silly. I almost didn't, not because of her, I almost didn't do it. Well, you were up at this point, right? Yeah. I All was, your ventures were doing great. We were good. We were so good. why do something that's risky? Why invest in this idea? Mm-hmm. That came to you spontaneously. Right. Everything random. I Looking back, if I wouldn't have done it, obviously that would have been insane. Right. So I did, and I did the 100,000 wipes. That's 2019? So 2019. So mm-hmm. the party that you were at, the launch party, was great party. April of 2019. All the okay. movers and shakers were there. The best. I didn't even have the wipes done. If you remember, they were like just the samples I was passing mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And I was one of the first people passing those out at my yeah. store. Yeah. So we were so, we did this hype party, this whole thing. And then that was it. And I get the product in. Pallets of these single wipes. Right? The funny thing is about ideas and product is you have this great idea. of the people don't follow through on the idea. Correct. Okay. For the 1% who do follow through on the idea, they make the product. But then what? Everyone thinks you have this idea, you follow through, you make the product, it's ready for shelf. And then what do you do? You got to sell it. For sure. You know what I'm saying? That actually is the hardest fucking part. I know it. Is getting it out there. So now I got to get it out there. I got this beautiful product, this wipe, which is silly. And I got to go sell it. So then for months, I try selling this product and can't sell a single wipe. I, I want to interject here that, again, and I'm not, I don't care what people think either, okay? But this is, I like to bring this up because mm-hmm. of what happens next. Yeah. And I'm always rooting for the underdog and I'm always rooting for the underdog. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of chatter. What is this guy doing now? I heard it. He's doing candles. He's encapsulating things. He's charging this for a candle. He's breaking bottles and selling it in acrylic. Mm -hmm. He's trying to sell scents, which went amazing, by the way. And now he's selling a wipe. Do you know how many? This is what I heard. I'll never forget. Do you know how many wipe businesses that are owned by these giant corporations this guy is out of his mind. He's going to, this is stupid, dude. Mm-hmm. I heard it too. But we, while we were hearing that, my mom, my family, we had the wipes at the store showing people like, this is our boy, mm-hmm. posted on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Tell them what happened next. So I think it was November of 19. So from the time I got the wipes, sitting at 100,000 units, I, I sold like nothing. I was flipping out. I'm like, how is this not? I can't get into any stores. I go into Somerset. I'm like, this would be great at Urban Outfitters. Mm. I walk into Urban Outfitters, some kid manager. I'm like, these wipes need to be in here. 
So I talked to this like 17 year old kid in Urban Outfitters about carrying my product. That's where I was at. That's insane. He says, I love these. Great. So I go through this, he connects me with whatever, you know, Urban Outfitters, like corporate. And I finesse them to do a purchase order. But they only agree to do the purchase order online. Mm. And only to buy like, I don't know, maybe a thousand packs or something, something very small. I call all my people and say, on this day, it's going live on urbanoutfitters.com. I remember. Okay. I told everyone, buy them out. I shared it and yep, bought. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you don't want them, I'll even pay you back the money that you put. I remember. Okay. <laughs> it goes live. They sell out in one minute. Yep. Obviously, because mm-hmm. all my people bought them all. Mm-hmm. I get a call the next day. They place a purchase order for every Urban Outfitters in the country. <laughs> Is this even legal? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Then it was on. So then I started feeling that, like, okay, we got something right now. I'm looking at the camera team like, are you guys hearing this? Right? So every Urban Outfitters, okay? And then COVID happens next. want to start off by saying that, you know, the horrible, horrible pandemic, all the businesses that shut down, all the lives lost, mm-hmm. um, all the families affected, all the healthcare workers that went through hell, there was nothing good about the pandemic. You know, it was a horrible, horrible thing. Um, but what happened to trip wipes in the interest of keeping people safe and, and away from, you know, COVID? Mm-hmm. And it, it was it was probably the craziest thing that has ever happened to you in the business world. The craziest. And it was it was... I think a lot of people had to put a sock in their mouth, like a very thick winter style hunting sock. Because mm-hmm. now I'm going to ask you, how, was it, how did you have these uh, wipes available to the public when COVID started? So I was perfectly positioned. And let me just say, you know, we helped millions of people. I mean, if you think about it, having this sanitizing product in this insane time helped millions of people around the world. I mean, we we produced in scale over the course to help everyone you just mentioned. That's right. Frontline workers. To to your normal person, right? Everyone's normal, but you know what I mean. My parents. Everyone. Everyone who needed a product had it. You definitely helped us, and we and we needed it. We, yeah. we hit you up, too, in the pandemic. Like, Doug, we need more. We need more. Yeah. You hit them uh, yeah. for us. So, you know, from a manufacturing standpoint, we were like, like, it couldn't be more perfect to be ready. Right. And we were able to produce and scale. Mm-hmm. And... You know, things like I get a phone call one day and this lady says, hey, I bought your, I saw an ad, you know, on Facebook for trip wipes. I bought a pack. I love them. I love how they smell. Hey, would you like to be in Costco? (laughs) I thought she was clowning me, right? I said, of course I would, but I don't even know what that means. Right. I don't know how to, I I have no idea how to do that. She goes, well, it just so happens I am the regional buyer for the whole Midwest and I'm obsessed with your product, and I'm going to help you through it. So this person took me through the whole process, built the whole program out, and all of a sudden I'm getting POs from Costco. She called you on your cell phone? Yeah. How is your phone available to her? I mean, I have my number pretty much everywhere. So you're doing all this stuff, but you're accessible? <laughs> just Yeah, just from the cell phone. Yeah, you want those opportunities. So launch in the Midwest, sold out. Then she said, I'm going to take you nationwide. Mm. And then nationwide POs from Costco. And then they said, okay, I'm going to take you online, Costco. I mean, it was just an insane situation. Were you, you were on Amazon, right? I was on Amazon. You were on your website. You yeah. had um, a lot of retailers. I think we had like over a thousand doors. I'm not going to ask exactly how much, but I want to give kind of like a, you tell me where to go with it. So did you sell 5 million wipes or more? 
we sold, I would go under, um, like units per month. Oh, units. Yeah. Total. Yeah. yeah. So In the higher, pandemic. Higher. 10 million. Higher. 15 million. Higher. 20 million. Close. Okay. How much is a wipe? Well, we packaged them different ways. Okay. What's the minimum you get for a wipe? I mean, on average, you know, 20 to 30 to 40 cents, depending. Okay. thought you were a failure from Complex, man. So oh, it turned out. So that's, that's, now you guys are understanding why Doug is here. At every turn, Doug follows his heart. He follows his gut. He doesn't let any naysayers, any opinion stop him. Even somebody he loves, he sticks to his guns. Random parts of this journey are truly the universe, God, connecting with his synchronistics, which means seemingly coincidental events, his energy. Your energy is going out into the universe. It's coming back to you. These people are connecting with you. Your ingenuity, these hustles, the Urban Outfitter hustle, um, the support that you've built by just being a friend, right? You you needed friends to accomplish the Urban Outfitters thing. That was mm-hmm. a big step. Yeah. Would have would Costco have happened if Urban Outfitters had hadn't happened? We don't know. But if you look at everything, you're trying your legitimate best, and you're trusting yourself and your voice more than anyone around you. Mm-hmm. And each turn is profitable from failure. But this particular uh, venture, boy, oh boy. It was pretty Pre- insane. Pretty, pretty good. I mean, look, you know, what if I wouldn't have done that? Right. You know, looking back when I was questioning to do it or not, and right. then when I had to place that purchase order for the first 100,000 wipes, that certainly was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, why am I going to put this kind of money into this idea that I have no clue what the outcome will be and then doing it. So like the point of all these things from Detroit wick, the bottles, liquor bottles leading to it's because I enjoyed it. It was something creative for me. It was like this whole concept of creating something special and then putting it out there. The money follows. It doesn't lead. None of these things that I've done have led with for the money. That's the difference. I wanted to ask you, did you ever have any investors or partners? None. One of the interesting things that I see a lot with entrepreneurs that they tell me, like, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm opening. I have these two partners. It's going to be great. I said, don't do it. Do not do it. Do not have a partner find a way to grind it up, scrape it out of the mud, be smaller for longer, Mm -hmm. right? All of your ideas, they paid for the next one. And they were truly passion projects, right? Right. We missed one. Oh, there was more, but we missed one that was in that period. And you are opening up, we're showing this clip right now of the new retail headquarters of your other product, which really has growth potential, I think, as big as the wipes and bigger. I want people to understand what makes people successful. And what makes you successful is your resilience, your commitment to doing what you love, your commitment to seeing a passion through. I love the part of your story that you were in mortgages and real estate for 15 years that gave you a nest egg. You literally grinded it out in a very respectable but tough industry. Mm-hmm. doing things that you weren't passionate about to give yourself the power at an older age to start something mm-hmm. that failed, but ultimately was a success because an idea was birthed. You carried it through, you expanded it. It grew from itself. It, it grew branches and became this beautiful tree that unbelievably the concept of scent crossed over into another idea. It's all from the candle. That mm-hmm. first broken bottle created everything. It did. And scent and taste go hand in hand, which is leading into the next product, mm-hmm. which is the hot sauce. Yeah. So the hot sauce, my wife is obsessed with. I'm obsessed with hot sauce also. Me too. You know, we we're doing these activations in the store of different, like, 
you know, creative concepts, programming, sensory, you know, where all five senses are working together. That was really the goal. With everything that I do, that is like at the core, scent, smell, touch, taste, sight. Is it because you're so sensitive to things? You said you were a germaphobe. Are you just an overly sensitive person? So you notice smells and things like that? I think, I think like, you know, like I said, my love for product and design and like creating things, right. right. That I think people will like that. I like that. I want to like make and push out to the world type of thing. I think the idea of touching on all senses makes whatever that thing is like the most high level experience. Mm. So like, yes, I'm making and selling candles, but it really isn't about the candle. It's more about the scent branding of it. It's more about the experience, that type of thing. Candle is delivering the scent that represents right, because much I, more. Right. Okay. I give you I give you that candle. It lives in your home. Every time you smell that, you remember me. Right. That's and the guests remember the host. That's at the core. Right. right? So the hot sauce, same thing. The smell, the taste. We curated the top 100 hot sauces from around the world and had these tastings and it became this thing. And so that concept is going to be here in this building at some point under a new name and it's going to be. So where we're sitting, yeah, which is going to get into the next business. Woof. Got a lot going on. My goodness. I am just... Anyone listening to this, including myself, if you understand the concept of energy and how it relates to like transferring between people, just listening to this story, I think it's going to bring a lot of abundance to your life. You know, it's it's charging me up and it, it will hopefully charge you up. Um, it's it's truly inspiring, Doug. Thank you. I'm, I'm proud of you. Thank and you. I'm I happy for you. Yeah, I appreciate you. And I've been rooting for you through every up and down I know and you confident have. through everything. I know you have. Never wavered on my support or confidence. Always in my corner. My man. Yeah. Um, and you know that that's true. I just wanted to say it for everybody uh, because it's always fun to uh, to love people no matter what's going on and be their true friend. Mm-hmm. That's a great part of life. Um, so you had everything going on Detroit Wickwise in a Eastern Market corner space, um, beautiful, beautiful building, brick building. It had greenery around it. Um, it was really a fantastic headquarters and uh, event space and a fa- basically factory. Um, your landlord would not renew your lease. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And our very dear friend, Rose Spitt, has the space now for 218, yeah. who's going to be episode two. Yeah. That's great. Yes. That is my... It's a nice passing of the torch for me to row. I'll tell it's you. Good. In, in, I'm glad in, he's in, in that space. In every way. Yeah. Um, and that family is my family too. Happy for him. Um. But when the landlord said no, yeah. you were out of a space. Yeah. Another challenge. Yeah. You randomly found the building we're in. Mm-hmm. Just looking around Detroit, real estate for sale. Yeah. We're a couple doors down from Takoy, one of the best restaurants around. Mm-hmm. Um, and where we're sitting is, if you look at the hat, guys, we're in the one-room hotel right now. Mm-hmm. But we're above... The candle factory, we're above the hot sauce retail headquarters, mm-hmm. flagship. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're also above the encapsulate factory. Yeah. It's all come together. It's all come together into your own space. Mm-hmm. What is, or I should say, what in the hell is the one room hotel? <laughs> so, great question. <laughs> Never heard of one. So when I bought this building, I had no intent. So two-level building. I bought it with the intent for all my manufacturing, all the businesses that you just mentioned. But on the second level was two apartment units, essentially, that was last occupied in the 1950s. This building's historic building built in 1901. The owner prior to me was here 60 years. It was called Blanco Canvas Company. He did textiles, boat covers, awnings for the big three Etc. Wow. And so when I started like tinkering around with this upper unit, was I going to do an Airbnb? Was I going to do two rental units? Was I not going to do anything at all? Something normal. Right. And it was, you know, beautifully, I'll call it beautifully dilapidated. I mean, it was, you know, think of 1900 until now, just the wear and tear of this building. Right. Right. 
And so like it came to me when I was starting to think about what to do here, why not create and bring all the things that I've learned through design, product buying and selling, creating and manufacturing product, all these processes and all this, like, again, going back to the sensory moment, creating this incredible penthouse experience with the highest level of hospitality that's not an Airbnb, that's not a hotel, but it's like this hybrid of the two Mm. where all these like corporate clients that I've worked with over the last 10 years doing the scent branding and the encapsulate and the hot sauce and all these and the trip wipes and all these things, when they bring people into Detroit proper, giving them the most ultimate experience to stay, to do events. And it really is. Right? So that's where this, the name came out of nowhere. We trademarked the name, the One Room Hotel. I don't know how we got that. It's not a popular idea, I don't think. You know what I mean? It's hard to make a hotel with one room. With one room, right? But that's what's so interesting about this concept is that we're able to offer the highest level of detail. How can you miss when there's only one tenant? Right. Or one guest. And product and experience and all these things that I've worked on for all this time, putting it all into one unbelievable frequency. And so here we are. It's it's very interesting. I'm going to call you an inventor. I do call you an inventor, but okay. on camera, I want to say, I think that's what you really just are. You're an inventor. Okay. You've invented a wipe. You've invented the candle concept. You've invented the, whether you invented uh, the candle concept or the encapsulate, you invented your own way to do it. You invented the best way to do it, in my opinion. You know, you invented the complex concept. Uh, it might have been done in different cities before, but you did your own. You, you, these are your own creations. Mm-hmm. Um, you've now invented, I don't think there's any, anything like this out there. We'll have to do some research, but you've yep. invented this new concept. I know that you can stay here and it comes with a chef. You get to choose which chef that's from mm-hmm. here. That's absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you have you know, the, a sauna in this place. You have the laundry, you have the robes that are, are very, very high end. You have, I mean, you have a, a, a suite for the chef or for your assistant. You have the master, you have on the, on the uh, porch out here, you're gonna have this big, great table for events. Um, so this is really gonna be an event space. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be a long-term stay space for the right you know, person, mm-hmm. um, or it's gonna be a, a Valentine's Day experience. It's, yeah. it's gonna be a lot of things. Um, and I'm lucky enough to be a card holder of a lifetime membership to the One Room Hotel. That's right. And I can offer anybody listening a discount mm-hmm. from my card. Mm-hmm. So if you guys wanna stay here and check it out, reach out to me and I'll be happy to take care of you and give you my rate. That's right, um, by referral only. By referral only. Mm-hmm. Um, men's, what was it, Men's uh, Journal? We got Rob Report did a nice article. Men's Journal just in up. Yep, unbelievable article. I saw that. Yeah, um, and we're just we're just launching now. Yeah, it just started. Just, just started. And you know, I didn't pick you first because of the timing of this, but I did want to for all the business you've done with me, all the mentorship you've offered me, all the support you've given me and my family, or my family and I. Um, all the clients you sent my way, all the times that I talked to you about my concepts and you said, that's a great idea, do it. Um, all the times I was unsure about things and you said, no, 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 you got this man, trust yourself, you you know what you're doing. Um, all the confidence that you helped me build to follow in your footsteps of being committed to what I'm doing um, made me want to make you the first guest because you're a part of my journey, you're a part of my success and couldn't be here without you. Appreciate that. And uh, it's it's an incredible honor to have you as the first episode of Dropping Gems with very, Doug Schwartz. Very, very thankful for you. My brother. Very thankful. My brother. Um, I, let me mention one thing. Yeah, we keep going. I, I just want to... I, I, I want to say one thing about go you. Go ahead, go ahead. I want to say one thing about <laughs> go you. Ahead. The other day we were having a phone conversation. I was saying to you, your frequency is different than most. And I think that is like one of the most unbelievable things about you and you doing this, right? You're meant for this. You're meant for this. And everyone who knows you, friend, family, acquaintance, client, whatever it is, 
they connect with you for a reason. It's not random. It's not because you're the best jeweler. It's not because this is your family business for the last hundred years. It is that, but it's a higher level than that. That's what my personal opinion. These people like me connect with you because you're a great person, but your frequency is something different. That's what you attract this. That's why we're sitting here. We kind of both have the same attraction thing, mm -hmm. the law of attraction. I have mm -hmm. the book sitting on the table over yeah. there. Um, I really appreciate you saying that. And uh, it's an incredible honor to, to hear you say it, to know that it's true. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, I feel the exact same way about you. Perfect. And there's a whole <laughs> lot of people out there that are friends and family of myself and yours that you look at them and you get to know them and you love them mm -hmm. and you know they have your back and you know they're in your corner forever, no matter what, because they truly appreciate the gift of life. They understand how magical it is. They know how finite it is. They know what it could end any day. They know the value of, of what life is. Um, we've obviously all lost a lot of people that we want to live on for and, and carry the torch. And I'll end this by saying, Doug, it's 2024. You have the most beautiful family. You have the most amazing partner uh, in Hillary. You have the most amazing children in um, Hayes and Sway. Your house is a dream home. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. I'd like to stay there for a night. Um, you can babysit anytime? My man, I will. I used to be a <laughs> nanny back in the day and tennis teacher if they need lessons. Um, your businesses are thriving, all of them. They're all still in business. I mean, you have Detroit Wick is very active. Um, the, the hot sauce uh, business is gonna be huge. Can't wait for the grand opening. Mm -hmm. I'll have a, a bottle sitting in my jewelry store uh, for anybody who wants to put some on some diamonds. Mm -hmm. uh, and just to show it <laughs> and to be proud of my friend, um, the uh, one room hotel is a place that I'm gonna enjoy some nights at. Mm -hmm. you, you better believe it. Um, and I can't wait to catch up with you in a few years to see what are you going to think of next? Doug Schwartz, my brother, it's an honor to call you family. I appreciate you. you Same. Are, you are truly a gem.